welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast, where every two weeks I bring you a story from a different country or culture from around the world. I'm your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. I hope you're finding some joy in the end of the year or the holiday season and are hopeful for 2021. I know I am. This week, I'm bringing you a Yiddish folktale called It Could Always Be Worse. If you've heard the word Yiddish before, then you know it's not a place or a certain group of people, but instead, it's a language. It's related to German, but it has bits of Hebrew and Aramaic thrown in along with influences from other European languages. It is historically spoken by the Ashkenazi Jewish people who lived in Eastern Europe and along the Rhine River in what is present-day Germany and Austria. I'll get into the history of the Yiddish language, the culture it created, and how the Ashkenazi made their way from Israel to Europe after the story. For now, all you need to know before we get to the story is what a rabbi is. There's a good chance you already know what a rabbi is. But if you don't, it's a Jewish religious leader. The word rabbi comes from the Hebrew word rav, which literally means great one or master. The version of the word used in English and in other languages turns it into a possessive form, which means my master, which if you are very formal or lived a long time ago in the old times, this might seem like the right thing to call your teacher or religious leader. Anyways, without further ado, please enjoy this episode's folktale. It could always be worse. Once upon a time, in a small village, a poor, unfortunate man lived with his mother, his wife, and his six children in a little one-room hut. Because they were so crowded, the man and his wife often argued. The children were noisy, and they fought. In winter, when the nights were so long and the days were so cold, Life was especially hard. The hut was full of crying and quarreling. One day, when the poor, unfortunate man couldn't stand it anymore, he ran to the rabbi for advice. Holy rabbi, he cried. Things are in a bad way with me, and it's getting worse. We are so poor that my mother, my wife, my six children, and I all live together in one small hut. We are too crowded, and there's so much noise. Help me, Rabbi. I'll do whatever you say. The rabbi thought and pulled on his beard. At last he said, Tell me, my poor man, do you have any animals? Perhaps a chicken or two? Yes, said the man. I do have a few chickens and also a rooster and a goose. Ah, fine, said the rabbi. Now go home and take the chickens and the rooster and the goose into your hut to live with you. Yes, indeed, rabbi, said the man, though he was a bit surprised. The poor, unfortunate man hurried home and took the chickens, the rooster, and the goose out of the shed and into his little hut. When some days or a week had gone by, Life in the hut was worse than before. Now with the quarreling and crying, there was honking, crowing, 
and clucking. There were feathers in the soup. The hut stayed just as small, and the children grew bigger. When the poor, unfortunate man couldn't stand it any longer, Enough. he again ran to the rabbi for help. Holy rabbi, he cried. See what a misfortune has befallen me. Now with the crying and the quarreling, with the honking, the clucking, and the crowing, there are feathers in the soup. Rabbi, it couldn't be worse. Help me, please. The rabbi listened and thought. At last he said, Tell me, do you happen to have a goat? Oh yes, I do have an old goat, but he's not worth much. Excellent, said the rabbi. Now, go home and take the old goat into your hut to live with you. Ah, no. Do you really mean it, rabbi? cried the man. Come, come now, my good man, and do what I say at once, said the rabbi. The poor unfortunate man headed back home with his head hanging down, and he took the old goat into his hut. When some days or a week had gone by, life in the little hut was much worse. Now, with the crying, quarreling, clucking, honking, and crowing, the goat went wild, pushing and butting everyone with his horns. The hut seemed smaller, and the children grew bigger. When the poor, unfortunate man couldn't stand it another minute, Enough. he again ran to the rabbi. Holy rabbi, help me, he screamed. Now the goat is running wild. My life is a nightmare. The rabbi listened and thought. At last he said, Tell me, my poor man, is it possible that you have a cow, young or old? Doesn't matter. Yes, rabbi, it's true I have a cow, said the poor man fearfully. Go home then, said the rabbi, and take the cow into your hut. Oh no, surely not, rabbi cried the man. Do it at once, said the rabbi. The poor unfortunate man trudged home with a heavy heart and took the cow into his hut. Is the rabbi crazy, he thought. When some days or a week had gone by, life in the hut was very much worse than before. Everyone quarreled, even the chickens. The goat ran wild. The cow trampled everything. The poor man could hardly believe his misfortune. At last, when he could stand it no longer, Enough. he ran to the rabbi for help. Holy rabbi, he shrieked. Help me, save me, the end of the world has come. The cow is trampling everything. There's no room even to breathe. It's worse than a nightmare. The rabbi listened and thought. At last he said, go home now my poor unfortunate man, and let the animals out of your hut. I will, I will. I'll do it right away, said the man. The poor unfortunate man hurried home and let the cow, the goat, chickens, the goose, and the rooster out of his little hut. That night, the poor man and his family slept peacefully. There was no crowing, no clucking, no honking. There was plenty of room to breathe. The very next day, the poor man ran back to the rabbi. Holy rabbi, he cried. You have made my life sweet for me. With just my family in the hut, it's so quiet, so roomy, so peaceful. What a pleasure. The End
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed. It could always be worse. I thought it was so funny and a good reminder to appreciate what you have, even if it's not exactly what you would like. Okay, let's dive a little deeper into the history of the Yiddish language and how the Ashkenazi, along with many other groups of Jewish people, left the historic kingdom of Israel and ended up in many parts of Europe and beyond. We call these people living outside their ancestral homeland, the diaspora. When you hear the word diaspora, it usually is used in talking about Jewish populations who live outside of Israel or people of African descent who live outside of Africa. According to the World Economic Forum, India currently has the largest diaspora population with 15.6 million people of Indian descent who live around the world outside of India. So anyways, way back in 800 BC, the Jewish people were living in the Kingdom of Israel, which is more or less where it is today. And then over the next several hundred years, many kingdoms came through and tried to take over Jerusalem, the holy city, and tear down the temple that was in the center. The Assyrians from what is present-day Syria did some conquering. King Nebuchadnezzar from Mesopotamia, which is primarily where Iraq is now, did some conquering as well. King Cyrus from Persia, or present-day Iran, ruled over the city for a while also. And if you haven't heard the fourth episode, 40 Fortunes, from Iran, you should go check it out. It's a great story. Anyways, even the Greek had a brief hold on Israel. However, they were fought off by the Jewish tribe of warriors called the Maccabees, led by Judas Maccabeus. When the Maccabees were successful, they wanted to light a menorah, or a lamp with seven branches, to celebrate and reestablish the temple. And you might already know this story. They found a little bit of oil that should have only lasted one night, but instead it lasted for eight nights. And thus their creation of the holiday Hanukkah to celebrate that miracle. Hanukkah always starts on the 25th of Kislev, which is the ninth month of the Hebrew calendar. But it moves around in the Gregorian calendar that we use throughout the Western world. I only mention this because I think it's interesting that Hanukkah falls on the 25th of Kislev, while Christmas falls on the 25th of December, and I wonder if there's any connection between the two. I'm sure I'll fall down another research rabbit hole looking into this, so I will save that for another time. Anyways, this is all when the Jewish diaspora began. Jewish people were moved, often taken as slaves, to live throughout the Middle East, into Europe, into Greece, and present-day Italy. There was even a group of Jewish tradesmen who went all the way to India, where you can find Jewish temples from that period that are still standing today. And then the Crusades happened, where the Roman Catholic Church crusaded around Europe and the Middle East, converting people to Christianity and overthrowing governments. The Crusades managed to take over the Holy Land, as the area of Israel was and is known, and drive the Jewish population further into Europe. There were two main Jewish populations that settled in Europe and were given specific names, the Sephardic and the Ashkenazi. The Sephardic group settled in Spain and Portugal, though they were also forced to leave those countries by rulers who did not want Jewish people living there, and they later immigrated to Britain, France, and the Netherlands. The Ashkenazi group settled, as mentioned earlier, in Central and Eastern Europe, and this is when and where the Yiddish language was created by throwing bits of Hebrew and Aramaic, which is related to Hebrew, into Old German and mixing it with other European languages. 
We know how powerful and unifying language is, and Yiddish played a big role in allowing Jewish populations in Europe to build community and culture. Hebrew was still spoken, but it was reserved for religious services. Yiddish was the language that people used every day. And I'll note that Yiddish uses the Hebrew alphabet, but the grammatical rules are different. After the printing press was invented in the 1400s, several Yiddish authors emerged. Later, Yiddish plays were written, and much later, Yiddish movies were very popular. The language was taught in schools, which helped it grow over many generations. Sadly, during the Holocaust, 85% of the Jewish people who died spoke Yiddish, and many of the people who fled the Nazis and ended up in new countries like the United States or Canada or Argentina ended up learning and speaking English and Spanish and stopped speaking Yiddish. And when the country of Israel was formally created in 1948, they chose Hebrew to be the national language. And so the population of people who speak Yiddish dropped dramatically. So it sounds like Yiddish is near dead, but it is still being spoken in Hasidic or Orthodox Jewish communities, and there is a push to revive it in other Jewish communities. And you also probably know some Yiddish, like the word bagel, or the word klutz, or the word glitch, or even the word tush, like for your booty. I'll put a link in the show notes for other commonly known Yiddish words in English, and you can test your knowledge. Okay, friends, that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, tell a friend. Tell that friend to tell a friend. Keep it going. I would love any feedback that you may have. You can email me at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook to get more content related to the countries that we cover each episode, and you'll find them by searching for Global Storytime Podcast. And if you could take a moment to rate or review the podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I've been your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. I wish you all the best. Until next time. Bye. Bye.